uh, I want to uh, come alongside that. And, and, and if you didn't understand or didn't catch what was said, that there are 2018, uh, 2017 giving statements are available for you in the back uh, outside. So please uh, get that so you can have that for your tax records or whatever. So I want to just kind of reiterate that. I also want to give you an update that um, we fed, um, I think it was 49 people at SWAT uh, this week. And uh, Taco Naco was there. Victor's not here this morning. But uh, apparently he's a frequent flyer over there. Uh, they were very, very... Um, uh, glad to see him. And so, but anyway, uh, it's just a part of reaching out to the community. We took some Bibles and uh, uh, shared just a real little quick word with them, uh, with the SWAT officers and their administrative staff. But um, it's a part of what we're trying to do to be, make more of a difference in our community. And um, anyway, uh, way to go. It was a, it was a great time. And um, uh, I just wanted to kind of update you on that. Also, uh, we are in need of a part-time administrator in our offices at Living Grace, and so if you have uh, administration skill, and it's a little bit more, uh, it, I understand administration is a big umbrella, but we're looking for someone uh, to hire, and so if that's something that interests you, would you see me afterwards or call the office, and we can discuss what the possibilities are, what that looks like. We'll be interviewing in the next week, week and a half, and so uh, uh, Mark, make a note of that and, and get in touch, all right? Well, let's all stand, and... Um, <clears throat> So I want to tell you that uh, I, I, this is one of my favorite uh, uh, stories, the story of the lion. You, you may have already heard of it, but um, I think I probably say it uh, often. But anyway, it fits. So, the, you know, uh, the lion is in the jungle, and he's in his own mind, the king of the jungle. And he walks up to uh, a, a, uh, a giraffe and kicks the giraffe in the, in the backside and says, Hey, uh, giraffe, who's the king of the jungle? And the giraffe turns around and recognizes this is a lion. And it's, it's very, you know, shaky and like, oh, oh, everybody knows, Mr. Lion, you're the king of the jungle. And he goes, that's right. Don't you, don't you forget it. And, and he, he kind of walks off and, and he walks up and he sees a little lowly hyena. And he kicks the hyena in the backside and says, hey, hyena, who's the, who's the, who's the king of the jungle? And the hyena says, oh no, Mr. Lion, please don't eat me. Everybody knows that you're the king of the jungle. And he goes, that's right, and don't you forget it. And then he, he walks up to an elephant. elephant's eating some leaves off a tree. And he, he kicks the elephant in the hind quarters and says, hey, elephant, who's, who's the king of the jungle? And uh, the elephant turns around and kind of squints at him and looks at him and wraps his, his trunk around his throat, picks him up bounces him across on the ground and bangs him up against a tree and drops him. And, of course, the lion is woozy and shaky, and he gets up and he says, uh, he says Hey, elephant, uh, if you don't know the answer, you don't have to get mad. <laughs> How many of you guys heard me say that before? Yeah. I see hands all over the place. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, today, the kingdom of God, the king, but more importantly, the people of the kingdom... God, let your word stir our hearts to love you more, to look more like you, and to make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. All right. The kingdom of God, and in particular, the people of God. 
As a member of the kingdom of God, you might be asking yourself this question, how exactly am I supposed to live? To be in the kingdom means, I think I understand what that means. Uh, my, my son asked me yesterday, he goes, Dad, why? And I told him, son, you better get your passport updated because we're trying to make some missions plans this year. And he said, Dad, why do I need a passport? And I said, well, that's a good question. You, 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 you don't necessarily need a passport as long as you don't leave America. But if you go someplace and you travel someplace, you need to show who you are. He goes, but why? And I go, because, you know, you just can't let anybody into your country. You just can't have people from, you know, coming in and out where you don't know where they're from or what their background might be. And, and we had this discussion about about security and borders and all this other stuff. And I said, so, so like, for example, if you're going to go to a particular nation and you get off the plane, the first thing they're going to say is show us your passport because they want to know where are you from. And if you're from some nation, let's say, that is a, has a long history of terrorism or whatever, you might get delayed a little bit. Who knows, you might not even get allowed in. Right, But if they see a passport from another nation that's a friendly, maybe they have diplomatic relationship with, you know, it's a whole different story. But the idea is to be able to identify who you are and where you are from. And so we, as the people of the kingdom of God, have some identifying markers as well. We have a passport that is a heavenly passport. Our citizenship is in heaven. And by the way, our citizenship in heaven trumps any kind of cultural or geographical or racial identity that we have here on earth. As the people of God... Being in the kingdom of God should be our first point of identification. It's not that culture doesn't matter. Don't get it twisted. It's not that where you come from doesn't matter or your tribe or your kindred or whatever. That's important. But we have a greater citizenship and that is our citizenship in heaven. We were so blessed last night to honor the Watoto Children's Choir. And as we, as we worship together, we just got a glimpse just a glimpse of what God says one day will happen when culture, I believe, will be in heaven, but we'll all be united and we'll all be singing the same song. And no one's going to care about this particular shade of color or no one's going to care about this socioeconomic background. And none of that stuff is going to matter because the reality of the kingdom of God is that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to that? All right, so as a member of the kingdom, how exactly are we supposed to live? What are the duties and, and what, what does that really look like? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Just a quick review in the book of Mark. Last week we saw how Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. What did he preach? What does it say? The gospel of the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42 says, When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them this, I, what? Must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Here's why. For I was sent for this purpose. 
Jesus says, I came, and there are many reasons that he came, but he says, I came to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And there's not just one city, other cities. And so, the kingdom of God is the central theme, it's the central teaching of Jesus, and it's the foundation for what the apostles spoke of. They went preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. So this is a big deal. The definition that that we came up with last week, if you were with us, is the kingdom is that presently existing community, notice presently existing community, of which Christ is the head, which is composed of those whose hearts and lives are subject to him as sovereign Lord. Okay, I know that's a mouthful, but that is the kingdom of God. And yes, there is a kingdom of God where Jesus will reign and rule for a thousand years on earth. And yes, there is the new heavens and the new earth that we look forward to, but don't miss the kingdom of God right here. It's a presently existing community of people where Jesus Christ is the king. He's the head. I was talking to a pastor this week, and uh, uh, he was saying that at his church, they really believe that Jesus is the pastor or the leader of the church. And so someone will come to him and say, excuse me, I want to talk to the pastor. And he'll say, well, that's Jesus. (laughs) And they'll go, no, no, but who's the pastor of this church? And he'll say, oh, Jesus is. And he's not trying to push them off, like, you know, give some clever answer. He's just trying to say, we really believe that he is the leader. Now, is there a particular area that you need to talk to someone about? You need to talk to the music guy, you need to talk to the vision guy. Well, that's a whole other story, but that, that's, that's that community. And so when Jesus taught us how to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer, and it's really the disciples' prayer, um, you know, this idea of the kingdom comes at the beginning where he says, thy kingdom come, right? And at the end, for yours or thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so when Jesus taught us how to pray, we start with the kingdom of God and we end with the kingdom of God. Okay. And so the truth is that I want you to understand that the kingdom of God is right here, right now. Now, I I didn't say that the earth was like perfect and things that we go through are okay because we go through some hard things. I mean, there's, there's death, there's hurt, there's pain, there's, there's fear. I love that song. I'm no longer, is that like an anthem for you? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child. I love that song. I think I need to sing that song every day, right? So it doesn't mean that the earth is perfect, but don't miss the kingdom of God right here, right now. When we say, like Jesus told us to, yours is the kingdom, we're talking about a present existing reality where Jesus is the king. We are also recognizing that he's king and we, and there are subjects in the, see, you don't have a kingdom if you don't have subjects. I mean, you got to have a king and then you got to have people who are subject to the king. Would you look at somebody and say, he's talking about you right now. You're, you're a subject to the king. So the word kingdom is an ancient English word, which is a shortened phrase of the king's domain. Kingdom, king's domain. And, and the, the kingdom is the area in, in, 
which expresses the intentions of the king, his desires, his influence goes out from the king to the, to the realm of his kingdom. It's the place of his activity. Yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. It speaks of that dimension of his reign and his rule, which we are all a part of. Listen, you are an expression of the kingdom of God. You are a vassal. You are an ambassador uh, for the kingdom of God, wherever God has placed you and whatever it is that you do. The kingdom of God was fully realized through the finished work of Jesus Christ, his cross, his resurrection, and his ascension, the kingdom arrived on earth. When Jesus came to earth, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's now. It's, it's right there. And, and so, so, so understand that when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about something that's far off in the distance. Oh, we are in one sense. But understand that this is here and now. This is our citizenship. This is who we are, the king's people. Jesus came to announce the kingdom of God. It's finally and fully realized. Daniel chapter 7 speaks of Jesus coming and says that he would rule over all the nations. Now, is Jesus ruling over all the nations? Well, in one sense, yes. In one sense, no. That time hasn't come yet, but his kingdom is still active on the earth. Daniel 7, 14 says, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus has already been declared as the sovereign king of the universe. Philippians 2, Therefore God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, what does it say? Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's everything. And every tongue, what? Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? For the glory of the Father. He's already been declared the sovereign king of the universe. Already a present reality. After the resurrection, Jesus said this in Matthew 28. It's called the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. We could spend a lot of time talking about that sentence right there. All authority. All nations, all kingdoms, all tribes, all people in the earth, in realms that we cannot even begin to understand, in the spiritual realm, um, Darkness, the furthest reach of the universe, the very heavens of the heavens. He's the most high God. And he says, Jesus says, all authority. I shared with the members of SWAT, I said, I said, hey, I want you to understand something that all authority comes from God. Romans says that we are to pray for those who are in authority because they've been ordained by God. Didn't say they were good or perfect. But understand that the authority you have doesn't come from the state of Nevada. It comes from God Almighty. And God says in Romans that the authorities are in place are his ministers, his servants. 
And so I said, guys, understand this, that God has placed you where you are and God has your back because he has ordained authority. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. All of it. <laughs> oh, that awesome? The King of kings and the Lord of lords says, all authority. Oh, there have been others who've claimed to have all authority. They're dead, okay? Or they cease to exist. And their authority gets fought over in who knows what, and it gets divided up. And Oh, no, no. Yeah, there are many people, many men in particular, who thought they had all authority, who thought they were going to establish a kingdom that would never end. And where are those kingdoms now? You ever met an Amorite? No, they're gone. Yeah, yeah. Then they cease to exist. But he has all authority. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now here's our part as a vassal, as an ambassador, as someone who's a citizen of the kingdom. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Why? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And by the way, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. To the, I'm with you. So go, go. After the resurrection, all authority. Present tense. We get to Revelation chapter 5 and we see a scroll in the hand of God and no one is able to read the scroll. And then we see this figure of a lamb that comes forward. And this lamb is actually the lion of the tribe of Judah. And this lamb looks like it's been slain and it goes forth and he's worthy to open the scrolls and read what's in it. Yeah, that is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, co-equal with the Father. And the point is that you can't speak of the kingdom of God without speaking of the finished work of Jesus. You, you can't speak of the kingdom of God at the same time without speaking of the finished work of Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit comes to actuate. I love that word. To bring the kingdom of God into existence through this community called the church. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ, but he goes away. The king has left the building. Not exactly. Because he says, I'm going to send my spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and through him, he unites us to God the Father and the will of the Lord is done on earth. It says in Acts 1.8, so the apostles were with, were with Jesus. When the, the, the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Remember last week, that was their whole deal. Hey, hey, one last question. Before you ascend to heaven, are we once again going to be a great nation like, you know, King David, Solomon back in the day, you know, that we've heard about, we've read about. Are we, yeah, yeah, no. What does Jesus say? Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. Can you hear the collective gasp? Oh, man, we're, that's the, that's the, like, you know what? I got to go home and my wife's going to ask me and I still don't have an answer for that question. Verse eight, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my, what does it say? My witnesses 
uh, telling people about me everywhere in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit comes to actualize, everybody say actualize. I love that word. Uh, I, to bring the kingdom of God, uh, 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 it's already been established, but to, to lengthen the borders and to, to bring together this, this group of people who will have a responsibility in bringing the kingdom of God on earth, not rulership. Because there are those, you know, when you mix politics and religion, it's never good. Never. History tells us that. Not ushering in the kingdom through war. No, that's what the disciples wanted. No. But ushering in the kingdom through love. Ushering the kingdom through servanthood. Ushering in the kingdom through, through forgiveness. It's a whole different thing. But the Holy Spirit comes to actualize that. The Holy Spirit came upon those apostles and clothed them with power and they became people who lived in two dimensions. People of the Holy Spirit in union with the Father and people uh, who lived on earth. The Holy Spirit actualizes the kingdom through us, through you and me uh, uh, to alleviate the darkness into the world. Uh, uh, Not like an earthly kingdom. Not like uh, in England, for example, where where you may never meet the queen, ever. You might see her, you might not even see, you might see her from a distance. Look, way over there, there's the queen. She don't know you. You don't know her. But you live by the rules of the kingdom. Oh, no, no, no. This, this kingdom is completely different. Because, see, you don't get in the kingdom unless you are introduced to the king. Unless you have relationships, you don't get in this kingdom any other way. You have to meet the king. If you don't meet the king, you don't get in the kingdom. Oh, he personally spends time with you. He personally interviews you. He personally breaks things down with you. That's how you get in. This is completely different. And it's about relationship. It's about love. It's about being vitally, dynamically personally united to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Christ in me, the hope of my glory. It's being the branch in the tree. Here's the word union. You cannot get into the kingdom unless you are united to King Jesus. Dynamically. Like not United, not united, united, not united. That's not how it works. But he comes and lives in you through the Holy Spirit. And you become a a person of the kingdom. People of the kingdom. Now, what are the attributes? Oh, I would suggest that this whole teaching about the kingdom of God can be broken down into two, really three general categories. One is the announcement of the kingdom. And that was Jesus' message. That was the message of the apostles. The kingdom of God is here. Number two is how it's actualized or how the people in the kingdom live in the kingdom. It's about the attributes of the people in the kingdom. And I think number three could be the future. 
When we talk about a reign of Christ and a new heavens and a new earth, the new Jerusalem. And so what are the attributes of the people in the kingdom? How are we supposed to do this? What does that look like? I believe that most of the New Testament is spent explaining that. It's explaining the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. Now, this is how you live in it. Right? I mean, think about it. Think about the New Testament. It's all about kingdom living and how to live and how to be a subject to the king. And so there's so many, there's so much about how we're, how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to look like, how we're supposed to represent the king. So I'm going back to the Old Testament, to the book of Micah. And I'm going to give you three things that Micah said about the attributes of those who live in the kingdom of God. It's in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah pictures a courtroom. God is the judge. He's not happy with his people Israel. And he's telling his people what he requires of them. And he recites all the ways that they've wronged him and others. And they're thinking they're cool with God. And he's like, no, man, you got it all messed up, man, okay? Well, well, you know, it's like you don't even know what I'm asking you. And so chapters 4 and 5 are full of hope. But chapter 6 and 7 in the book of Micah proclaim judgment uh, toward the people and ask the people to repent. And, and so there's one verse in there where he tells them, this is what I want from you. And I think it's a good summary of how we're supposed to live. Uh, because I think we could spend the rest of the year talking about kingdom living. We really could. Because it's all, the New Testament is all about the announcement of the kingdom of God and how the people of the kingdom of God should live. Okay? And this is what he says. He has told you. Isn't that great? Man, I already told you. <laughs> how do you not? No. Well, how, well, how should we live? Are you serious? Like he's with the disciples, Jesus with the disciples three and a half years, and they go, okay, so you bring it in the kingdom now? And, and Jesus is like, man, are you serious, man? Are you really going to ask, bring that up again? Like I'm about to go, man. The train's leaving in any minute now. And the last question you're going to ask me is, are you going to be a great nation again? Oh, that pride of nationhood, right? He has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Except to be just and to love, to diligently practice kindness or compassion, to walk humbly with your God, setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. Is that great? Is that great? That's the, that's the Amplified. You got to love the Amplified Bible, all right? Setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. Okay, the New Living Translation puts it this way. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you to do. That, that is, that is uh, do, to, uh, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. Three things. There's your three takeaways for today. Here it is. All right, what God requires of us to be just or to do what is right. And I love the way it says it, do justly. Do justly. Because you are just, do just. Justice. It turns out that justice is a big deal with God. There are a lot of people who feel God is not just. He's not fair. And yet the very character of God is justice and mercy. Deuteronomy 32 says, He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is 
just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? So, because that's the very nature and character of who God is, he asks his subjects to be that. Because he is a God of justice, he expects his people to do justly. Do justly. What the heck does that mean? Well, it means to find places of injustice and get involved in bringing the kingdom of God and kingdom principles into that place of darkness. Get involved. Do justly. Don't just be justly or be justified. Do justly. Bring the kingdom of God into places of darkness. Let me give you an example. James chapter 1, verse 27. If y'all could prepare that video clip from the Watoto, uh, just a second. James 1, 27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. There you go. That's doing justly. To say, widows... Orphans, and you can add the elderly to that. In, in when you talk about the 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 those who are the most impoverished in nations that that, that are warring or or factions that are fighting, that's you can it, that's a huge need worldwide. So the Watoto Church, which they were here last night, portions of them. Uh, if you missed it, sorry, I'm trying to make you feel bad. Okay. I know, a lot going on, Las Vegas, a lot happening. Football, right? Sure. Got it. I w- yeah, no. Um, hope you're, did your team win, whoever said that? Your team won. All right. Justice. <laughs> Again. Oh, they've ministered to over 4,000 orphans. Okay, and their current initiative is called the Watoto Neighborhoods, uh, where they're bringing the gospel of the kingdom of God uh, into, into those who are most vulnerable in Uganda, and that is women and children. So let me show you this little one-minute video clip. This is a classic example of doing justly. Watch this. in Evernote. My bad. Sorry. We'll get to that. What they do is they go into these neighborhoods because they realized even in their own church, they need to be more outward focused. And they, and they began to say, okay, who are the most, who are those who are hurting the most? Oh, it's women and children. Okay. And so, so they've established this initiative where they, where they minister, they, they provide they said, what are the needs? Well, well, well they, they, they need shelter. Uh, they need education for their children. You know, you know I don't, I'm not sure that we in America, not all of us, we don't, we don't understand the importance of education. Our, our children maybe do, do maybe they don't. Uh, but, but these nations, they're starving for it because, they're, because there's, it's not 
it's not available to them. And they know that education is freedom, but they can't get it. Oh, and so they provide schooling, and they bring these women and, they, and their children, and they take care of them. They provide housing, and, and, and that's doing justly. That's, that's, that's bringing kingdom principles into, uh, uh, into the, the, the areas of need in, in the world. Do justly. Do justly. Is that it right there? Hala, go ahead, play that. Hi, my name is Perfect. Cynthia, and I work with the Watoto Farms. Now, I could tell you all about the liters of goat milk that we produced for the baby's home, the tens of thousands of eggs we picked from the chicken farm, or even how many crops we grew at the crop farm this year. But Watoto is really about community. Watoto is about impacting the lives of those around us. Just like my friend here, Immaculate. Immaculate has been with the farms for over five years now, and she's been able to build this beautiful home behind us, send her children to school, and even buy a sewing machine to have there some work to do at the there end of go. the day. By empowering women such as Immaculate, Watoto is playing its part in impacting our neighborhoods and rebuilding our nation. Thank you so much for partnering with us in this great work. Amen, amen. A sewing machine. <laughs> freedom. Freedom. Economic freedom. Yeah. Um, do justly. Living grace. Do that. Those are kingdom attributes. Do justly. You see an injustice and it bothers you, do something about it. That's the call of the Lord. Secondly, love mercy. Uh, to, to love and to diligently practice kindness and compassion. Our God is a merciful God in the same way he expects his people to love mercy. Matthew 5, 7, the Beatitude says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall what? Obtain mercy. Psalm 136 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. And the prophet Micah says, love mercy. Don't just do mercy, love mercy. Don't, don't just do mercy, but love mercy. Be a merciful person. I have this definition here. Mercy is the act of not administering justice when that justice is punitive. Because of our sin, sinfulness, we deserve death and eternal separation from God. Romans 6.23 and Isaiah 59.2. But God provided an atonement for sin and through it shows us mercy. That is, he does not deliver to the believer in Jesus the natural consequence of their sin which is damnation. Mercy is not getting what you des uh, uh, not getting what you deserve. And so God offers mercy to us and says, "You know what? Now you go and offer mercy to others. Love mercy. Love it. Pursue it. Be a person who is a merciful person. Be that be that person. Do justly. Love mercy." And then he says, "Walk humbly. Walk humbly." 
And you know what? This is really the key to becoming a follower of Jesus anyway. Because you can't come to him without humility. He says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's one of the first things. Being poor in spirit is, is being humble. The, the late, great uh, Chuck uh, uh, Colson said that the truth is its greatest friend is time. Its greatest enemy is prejudice. And its constant companion is humility. Truth and humility. Walk humbly. Let me give you this quick parable that Jesus gave. And we'll wrap it up this morning in Luke chapter 18 verse 9. It says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves uh, that they were righteous and despised others. Now, now these are people who were believing that they'll be right with God because of what they do, because of their own righteousness. They, they believe they'll be, the, yeah, me and God are cool because, you know, I try to be a nice person or I try to live by the golden rule or I try to be kind, that that will get me into heaven. And so he gives an example of this person that's kind of an extreme example, but it lends itself to it nonetheless. Verse 10 says, <clears throat> two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even this tax collector. <clears throat> I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's, a, there's that illustration there. Walk humbly. Humility. That's necessary to get to heaven. But being humble won't get you to heaven. Justice, we need to be justified, gets us to heaven. Uh, uh, but the right kind of justice. Being just won't get us to heaven. Uh, being merciful just in and of itself won't get us to heaven. But in Christ Jesus, we receive our justification. We're just. We receive the mercy of God and we come humbly. Does that make sense? All right. So here we go. The kingdom of God is expanding to fill the earth. It's growing. It's, stat it's, it's, it's organic. It's moving. It's not, it's not standing still. Uh, do you want to be a part of the greatest thing on this side of heaven I believe it's loving God, serving Him, and building His kingdom. He chooses to use the church to build His kingdom. There is no plan B. And He says, I'm going to give you my spirit, and I want you to go wherever that is, wherever He leads you. And I want you to be a change agent. I want you to make a difference. I want you to bring kingdom principles in places where they are not. 
And if you do that, I will surround you with people who will begin to ask you why you do what you do. And you'll get an, ex, an, uh, an, abil, an, uh, an opportunity to explain to them that the kingdom of God is in. I'm just a subject of the king, and I do this because he first loved me, and I do this because this is who he is, and I do this because, because I'm in the kingdom, and I'm in love with him, and I can't help myself, and I'm helping to build this amazing thing called the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so remember this. As we close this morning, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to our King Jesus. Go, therefore. Go and bring the kingdom of God everywhere. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Do justly. Living Grace Church, do justly. Do it. Do justly. Love mercy. Love it. And walk humbly with your God. Why? Why? For his glory. For his name. Because of who he is. That's why. One day, we're all surrounded around the throne of God. We're all gathered together from the ends of the earth throughout all eternity. Oh, it's going to be a celebration that will last for eternity. It's beyond anything we can even imagine, like the song says. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, you're calling your people. You're stirring hearts to action. Not just to be busy about stuff, but out of love and out of your desire to build the kingdom, to grow this, this non-material entity, this this. This thing called the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, would you use us? Would you use us for your glory? And would you stir our hearts to join in, to join you in the greatest mission of all time? And that is of bringing back those that you love, your children that have strayed from you, that maybe don't know you, that have just been through such a tough, tough life, they can't see anything beyond their own hurt and pain. Lord, would you use us to be your instruments of peace? God, we thank you and we give you all the glory because it is all for you. For your great name. Not to us, but unto you be the glory. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you need prayer for anything at all, we're back here to pray, up here to pray with you. If you've never embraced Christ or you seriously 
want to be a follower, there's a table back here. We have some information for you that we would love to give you to help you explain what it means to walk that walk. Back here in the back are these, um, for all of you who gave last year and you want to pick up your tithe envelope, would you pick that up on your way out? And um, go and do justly. Love mercy and walk humbly in Jesus' name.